was March 13th, 1997, from the Nevada line through Phoenix to the edge of Tucson. The sky displayed a magnificent series of lights, so spectacular that hundreds of witnesses called law enforcement agencies around the state to report odd lights in the Arizona and Nevada sky between 7.30 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. MST. And out of those hundreds of witnesses, there was only one pilot who saw and reported it. That was none other than Hollywood actor Kurt Russell. This is what he had to say about it, and I quote, I was flying with Oliver, his son, and I saw six lights over the airport in uniform, in a V-shape. And Oliver said to me, What are those lights? And I said, Yeah, I don't know what they are. And Oliver said, Are we okay here? And I said, Yeah, I'm gonna call it in. I'll report it. End quote. I will link a video in the description of Kurt Russell retelling the event on a talk show if you're interested in listening to him say it. At 8.15pm, an unidentified former police officer in Paulden, Arizona, who was out driving with his family, reported seeing a cluster of reddish-orange-yellow lights disappearing over the southern horizon. Many witnesses in the Phoenix area later that night, around 10pm local time, described witnessing a swarm of lights floating silently overhead in a broad arc while moving slowly and periodically, disappearing and reappearing. Let's break down the time of the sightings. Reports as early as 7.55pm in Henderson, Nevada were coming in. Then Paulden, Arizona at 8.15, Prescott, Arizona at 8.17, Phoenix at 8.30, and Tucson at 8.45. Now, these lights were disappearing and reappearing until around 10pm. Even the governor at the time, Five Symington, gave the rumors some credit by holding a press conference and inviting an alien, a guy wearing an alien costume, as the real cause of the lights. As a joke, of course. But even that sparked some conspiracy theories. Years later, the former governor recounted witnessing the event, describing it as otherworldly. So what did the residents of Phoenix and Nevada see? That evening, two shapes were reported. One was a sequence of lights in the V shape, while the other was a series of lights in the shape of an arc or a boomerang. Now, I would contend that those two shapes might be the same craft. Keep in mind that depending on where you were and what direction you were looking up at, perspective could play a significant role in this. However, some reports claim that it was actually two separate instances, i.e. two distinct crafts. Every year on the anniversary of the sighting, there is a resurgence of interest in the Phoenix Lights and discussion about the subject, but I've always wondered why. Why were there so many people that night gazing up at the sky? 
Similar large UFO sightings have occurred before, but with fewer witnesses. And as I've indicated earlier, there were hundreds of witnesses to this incident. Well, as it happens, many were keeping an eye on the sky because they wanted to get a glimpse of the comet Hellbob. You see, on March 9th, a solar eclipse in China, Mongolia, and eastern Siberia allowed observers there to see a comet in the daytime, Hellbob. And its closest approach to Earth was on March 22, 1997. So the timing adds up here, but that sounds strange, right? Well, it gets a little weirder than that. In November 1996, amateur Chuck Shermick of Houston, Texas took a CCD image of the comet, which showed a fuzzy, slightly elongated object near the comet. However, the program that Chuck was using couldn't identify the star. So, Chuck then called the Art Bell Show and claimed to have found a Saturn-like object trailing Hellbob. Somehow, this reached science professor Courtney Brown, who came to the conclusion that an alien spacecraft was trailing the comet. It gets worse. You see, as a direct result of this, 39 members of the Heaven's Gate cult committed mass suicide in March 1997, with the intention of teleporting to that spaceship, which they believed was flying behind the Hellbob Comet. So that is why I believe everybody was paying attention to the sky in Nevada and Arizona and probably a lot of other places. That was just my finding. Let me know what you think about it. But getting back to the lights. One of the best reports came from Phoenix, from, again, an amateur astronomer who apparently had amazing vision and was able to discern that each individual light was made up of two lights. And that report was given to Peter Davenport. Now, I've covered some of his amazing UFO reports before on the show. Another incredible report that was when the lights were over Phoenix. People saw what appeared to be two military jet aircraft flying towards the lights. As they got near the lights, they suddenly disappeared. Then the two jet aircrafts turned around and flew back in the direction that they came from. Now this was witnessed by civilians that also made a report to Peter Davenport. Seven years after the mass sightings, a physician by the name of Lynn at Arizona Heart Institute and former actor came forward publicly to say that not only had she also witnessed the Phoenix Lights, but in fact she had seen the same UFO two years prior. And she's even got photographs. And I've seen them. Yeah, they are arced-shaped boomerang. And she even has one of a V-shape as well. Now, in an interview with phoenixmag.com, she said, and I quote, Ultimately, after seven years of anonymity and intense research, as a scientist, educator, physician, for over 40 years, and a first-hand experiencer to what is now hailed as the most witnessed, most documented, and most important mass UFO event in modern history, 
I felt it was imperative that I came forward in March 2004 with my data and let others decide for themselves, end quote. So that just leaves me with one question. Were we dealing with a fleet of UFOs or was this a massive ship? Let's get into the explanations. The main media and military will have you believe their version of the story, which is the first incident, often perceived as a large flying triangle by witnesses, began at approximately 8 p.m. and was due to five A-10 jets from Operation Snowbird. The formation flew over Phoenix and onto Tucson landing at Davis Air Force Base around 8.45 p.m. Now, the second incident, described as a row of brilliant lights hovering in the sky, or slowly falling, began at approximately 10 p.m. and was due to a flare drop exercise by different A-10 jets from the Maryland Air National Guard also operating out of the Davis Air Force Base as part of Operation Snowbird. Those were the military and media explanations. Now, there was one more that I found in an old article, and I'll actually link that article down as well if you want to read the full thing. But another explanation came out from Tony Ortega, an article that he wrote entitled, the Great UFO Cover-Up in June 26, 1997, for the Phoenix New Times. In his article, he talks about a man named Mitch Stanley, a man in Scottsdale, looking through a large telescope, identified the lights as being attached to planes. Yeah, planes. This is what the article said. It was plain to see, he says, what looked like individual lights to the naked eye, actually split into two under the resolving power of the telescope. The lights were located on the undersides of squarish wings, Mitch says, and the planes themselves seemed small, like private planes. Stanley watched them for about a minute and then turned away. It was the last thing that he wanted to look at. They were just planes. I did not want to look at them, Stanley says when he was asked why he didn't stare at them longer. He is certain about what he saw. They were planes. There's no way I could have mistaken that. End of article. Needless to say, no one believes any of those explanations, and we continue to this day to be unsure of exactly what was seen that night. However, the consensus among the hundreds of witnesses and Kurt Russell, who was on a plane himself when he saw the lights, is that they were neither flares nor planes. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now on this half of the segment, I want to talk about a few comments that I've seen online regarding the Phoenix Lights. These were from supposed eyewitnesses, so take it with a grain of salt. The first one says, My wife and I lived in North Tempe looking down on the Phoenix Valley in 1997, and we witnessed the Phoenix Lights with several of our neighbors. I am an engineer. My neighbors were engineers and pilots. We watched for nearly 20 minutes until the lights drifted out of sight to the south. We knew without a doubt we were witnessing something that was not available technology or natural phenomena. It was a huge lighted object hovering and moving slowly. We called the police, Luke Field, the airport. Nothing. No follow-up. Alright, and the second comment, it's actually a little bit controversial, but I'll let you be the judge of that. I recorded the lights that night as they were showing my video I shot. Here is something people aren't aware of. Dr. Lin didn't tape anything that night, and when she heard about the event, she provided another VHS tape of something else that she had recorded months earlier. 21 years later, she continues to monetize this event. Like I said, that comment is a little bit controversial, but I will let you be the judge of that. Moving on to the third and final comment, I was stationed at MCAS Yuma back then. It wasn't flares. These lights crossed from Nevada over and beyond Phoenix that night. Flares don't travel that far. I remember seeing them on the northwestern horizon from the base and watching them travel to the eastern horizon. They weren't consistent. One light would slowly dim out and then brighten up again. Then another light would do the same later on. They weren't like they seem in the video footage we have on YouTube. There were warm lights. It had to have spanned around a mile wide. Whatever it was, a formation or solid object, it was around a mile wide. Now, I think I saved the best thing I found so far online for this episode. And that's actually something that hasn't really been touched or reported on at all. And I think is just so fascinating because it wasn't seen just in Arizona. At least something similar. You see, if you go to Peter Davenport's National UFO Reporting Center and you go way back to March 1997 and look at the reports filed, you can see there were so many reports cited and given to Peter Davenport that day and even days after the event. And this one occurred on March 17th, 1997. The location, Calgary, Canada. The duration, three minutes. This is what the report says. Phoenix lights observed in Calgary, Canada four days after the initial sighting. 
In the early morning hours of March 17, 1997, I returned home from work around 1.30 a.m. MST. As I was coming up to the side entrance of my house, I looked up to see a triangular object moving slowly from southwest to northeast. I lived at the time in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. The Calgary airport is a northeasterly direction about 10 miles away. It's not unusual to see airplanes coming into land in this area of the city. And what is unusual is that the object was 200 feet above my head, whisper quiet, and had no landing gear extensions beneath it. Also, the speed it was traveling about 30 miles an hour would have stalled the engines had this craft been an aircraft. Most aircraft, when landing, power up the engine to prevent a stall from happening, and the engine sounds are very distinct. In addition, I noticed only two white lights on and pointing straight down. One light was located at the front of the triangle and the other on the right end. The lights reminded me of car headlights, the same color white, but only larger and much further apart. I estimate the length on each side to be greater than 30 feet. At the time, I believe the object sighted wasn't an aircraft. I scanned a channel on TV recording landings and departures from aircrafts at the airport. The Calgary airport, I believe, has restricted landing and departure times between midnight and 5 a.m. There were no schedule arrivals showing on screen. Now, I am a regular listener of Coast to Coast AM, and very soon after I learned of a similar object that has been seen in Phoenix on March 13th, 1997, just a few days before, I eventually pulled up a photo on the internet of what is now known as the Phoenix Lights. The photo showed a rectangular object with a white light on each corner, but was much higher in the sky. Phoenix is almost due south of Calgary, about 1,500 miles. So, what is going on here? Did this object really continue to travel and be seen in Canada as well? I think what needs to happen here now is I need to investigate more. And believe me, there are hundreds of reports. I even found a report of a woman who had a very vivid dream, but suspects that she was actually abducted three days after the Phoenix Lights event. Not only that, but she's also located. At the time of her event was in Arizona. I think there is definitely a part two coming to this. But now I am interested in what you think. What really happened? And what were those lights in Phoenix? Only time will tell. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Bizarre Conspiracies. If you want to email me or Conrad, you can do so at bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. That's all one word, bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. And as always, I will catch you in the next episode. Bizarre.